All right, here we go. Episode 170, 170, if you can believe that, of the Dealer Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo. Hey, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot to me. And of course, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. I love that you're here. I love that you stumbled into this little piece of the internet today. Now, listen, today I am extremely excited. And of course, for those of you who have listened to the show for a while, know that I get excited about a lot of things, but in particular, when it's a conversation like the one I am bringing you inside today with the man, Mr. David Kelleher, who is the founder and operator of David Auto. And he's joined by Angie Kuko from Google. She works out of Google's Detroit office in the automotive department. And today we're talking all about how David used video to share his unique message, his brand message, his unique selling proposition to the market, and how video helped him increase his leads by 50%. You ready for this? That's all of it in episode 170 of the Dealer Playbook. Here we go. Okay, so I'm really excited about this conversation with both of you. Um, a, from a digital perspective, because I think there's a lot of things that we're going to be able to dig in and unpack, but also from something that is near and dear to me, this concept of, dare I say, a novel concept of building relationships of trust. Now, David, I want to kind of start with you. I watched the video highlighting your um, operation. Uh, it was a YouTube video. Um, produced by Google, I believe. And first of all, I don't know if I've ever got the feels from watching a video in automotive, but that whole presentation, watching you at the softball or the baseball game and talking about who you are, um, really resonated with me because it's something we believe so deeply here at the Dealer Playbook, which is longevity and scalability comes from building relationships of trust. So I want to turn this over to you. Was that always the case in your business operations? Was this idea of building relationships of trust or, or allowing the community to get to know you always a thing? Or is that something that happened organically over a period of time? No, Michael, you know, it really was. I'm a little unique as a dealer and in that I started as a salesperson and it was an accidental career. I was really just trying to make some money to go back to school and ended up being good at it. And one of the things having not been in this industry was at a young age, I was able to see how much was wrong with this industry in my eyes. So as I built my career and grew and grew and grew and succeeded and finally bought a dealership um, about 13 years into my career, I had enough money and did it. I wanted to do something different and I wanted to exploit that. However, <clears throat> being involved in the community and being um, what I think is naturally a, just a decent guy, I, you know, I don't, I don't sweat the small stuff. I, I, I like helping people. Um, I had never been able to bring it to the marketplace the way we have with video and digital. So that's what became unique. But other than that, I always ran my business that way. You're just limited because until the customer comes and experiences it, they can't feel what the dealerships uh, until now, they couldn't feel what the dealership was really about or the owner was about. Uh, and now uh, with all the means we have with video and digital, we can get that out to them a lot easier. So it, it's an old concept that's been become new uh, with video. And I mean, I imagine over the years, especially as a dealership, you've been involved in, say, co-op programs or things that say, hey, you need to kind of put your money here or there, or maybe billboards or print or radio. Um, 
in those times, based on, you know, just this inherent, um, you know, desire to be a part of your community, were you finding things that worked in those mediums that you were able to then contrast it against what you're doing with digital? Or was it always kind of like, man, I don't know if this is working or not? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Sometimes the OEM's idea of what should be done um, is drastically far from what actually should be done. So when I came out with, you know, I do 100% branding and I do television as well. So television is about 45% of my budget, 55% is digital and video. Um, and it's all branding. I don't say a price. I don't have an event. I don't say anything other. What drives everybody to me is that they're going to get a, transform, a, a, a transparent experience and one that's gentle and they can get back to their day. So we, we bring that to the marketplace and the manufacturer was totally against it at the beginning until the numbers, when they saw the numbers change, their eyes opened up. Now they're not pushing it out to the rest of the body by any means, but they certainly pay my co-op bill because um, in, a, in a year like this, we're up 15% over a market that's down eight, 23% market is a pretty good place to be. So they're pretty happy to pay the co-op bill. So um, they're good. Yeah. That, that's where they go. Yeah. We'll just keep our mouth shut yeah, and sit in the corner. They're okay with it. <laughs> And so, Angie, um, you know, from your perspective, from all of the research that Google's doing and all these sorts of things, um, how have you found working um, in automotive? Are our dealers kind of quick to jump on this similar concept to what David's saying about branding and no price advertising and things of that nature? Or is there still some resistance? I think there's actually a lot of resistance to it still. Um, I think one of the things that has been so wonderful about working with David is how open he's been to trying something new, to be willing to innovate and and look at the research and the trends to understand where um, consumers actually are spending their time, which is why he's taken a chance on video and specifically YouTube. But most dealers really aren't doing that yet. Why do you why do you think there's hesitancy? And I mean, this is open to any of us to to answer. What what do you think that hesitancy stems from? I think it's just hard for people to try something new. Um, they're they're worried about taking a chance on something and putting a lot of their budget into a new platform that they're unfamiliar with. Um, they may not trust that they're actually going to reach um, consumers there. Um, so I feel that. It's, it's really just a hesitancy to try something new. But David, you might have some other ideas about that as well. Um, yeah, I think it's exactly that. I mean, when I grew up, there was, a, there, was a, a, there was a dealer playbook. It was written by the guys that for tens and twenties of years decided this is the way the car business should be written. And it included high impact, high pressure, yelling models and yelling prices at people. And that's just the way they taught you to do it. They said it wasn't going to work unless it was that. And I even succumbed a little bit and being kind of an ethically centered dealer put me in a unique position because I'm out there yelling true prices with it, that everybody can achieve that every, at 289 a month. But it was a real 289 for 50 cars in my inventory against a guy at $99 uh, that had one car and, you know, and, and you need $10,000 and the like. You can understand that. So um, that was a difficult place to be. And when I went completely transparent with the client, with the, the, the customer, um, we really started to resonate at home. It was much, much more effective. And luckily for me, competitively, nobody else is doing it. They, they, they're still resistant to get on. So the the concept really is that you're doing something that makes you truly transparent by turning on the cameras and bringing people inside of your operations, but also getting to know you 
did that have an immediate impact or is that something that, you know, because obviously today in, in the world of immediate gratification, people want to see results right away. How did that pan out for you? It's an old story we tell sometimes when I speak in public about it. Um, I got mad because my competition had gotten so illicit in their advertising. So I made that first transparent, no pricing, no event ad. I did it almost out of anger. And I figured I was going away on vacation for two weeks. And I figured when I got back, I'd have to recut a new ad because this obviously wouldn't work. And the dealership went crazy, crazy. I mean, literally like two days after the ad started, we started to see the phone ring and the emails. They doubled overnight and the sales went right along with it. So we accidentally stumbled in. I can't tell you it was this great brainstorm I had. It was a bit driven out of just aggravation that I was forced to be in this kind of, you know, mishmash sewer part with everybody else. And this a lot, and I jumped out and I wasn't sure. It would, I didn't think it was going to work at all, but sure enough, it did. So it was a light bulb. It was awakening. Like so many other things, it wasn't done on purpose, uh, but I'm fortunate. It's a strength that came out of the pain like everything else in life. Yeah. 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 And, and it's been remarkably successful. Now I've got three or four years of my, under my belt at this type of advertising. So we've grown our brand so big on TV largely that when we take it to video, we can get much more organic with the message. So YouTube and Google allow me to take the data and put a much more specific video message. It captures the brand that people have seen for so long on television and I take them a much more direct message. So we know a person's in the market for Jeep. That person on YouTube is going to see a Jeep commercial pop up for David. Say, I like that guy. I know who he is. Oh, my God, he sells Jeeps. I forgot. That's the guy I want to go to. So the, the, the merger of the two ideas is really effective and very, very powerful. Angie, what kind of data are you, are you seeing at Google that validates that this is the way consumers want to experience the shopping journey? Well, we do a lot of research every year, um, particularly in automotive, to understand how shoppers are changing their behavior over time. And one thing that we've seen really on the rise every single year is that people are now using online video, not just as a place to go for entertainment, but really to do their research. So I think we're seeing about 75% of shoppers saying that online video influenced their shopping habits and made them decide which car to buy. Um, and we really see this because time is the new commodity, right? People don't have time to go into the dealership like they once did. And they really want to be able to experience the vehicles from the comfort of their own living room. So video makes sense for people because the sight, sound, and motion you get there is the next best thing to actually being able to touch and feel the vehicle. So, so mm-hmm. that, that stat is showing us, hey, People are present online. They're watching videos. So you as a dealer should really be there if you want to have your message in front of those car shoppers. And you know what I love about that, too, is is a key word that stands out to me that you just said, and that is influence. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we understand how powerful a word that is and how key a, a word that is in the buyer's path to purchase. The The fact that what you're doing, David, with video and, and how you mentioned you're not talking about prices and you're not talking about those sorts of things, but that you're really showing people who you are and who your organization is. And, and that you said you're heavy in branding. I love the fact that you're not discrediting the power of influence. You know that for every second they are watching you, 
you can have a positive influence on them. You can influence their purchase decisions. And what an amazing differentiator, which is why it's shocking that so few are doing this or are jumping on the bandwagon, generally speaking, um, because that's exactly what we want. We want to we want to be able to capture and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but we want to be able to capture those micro moments and have influence in those micro moments, because ultimately those micros lead to the macro of them coming to you and not considering any other dealer. Michael, you know, the challenge for a lot of people is what they would have to say if they really exposed who they are is not all that appealing. So, I mean, I'm a dealer who really sincerely cares about what I do. And the more I care, the more I succeed. So it works out pretty, pretty gosh darn well. But I think, I think the customer will determine their own buying path. And we've been trying to force them into our buying path for too long. They have all that necessary information they need. They can get the pricing. They can pick the model. They virtual, they virtual test drive. So by the time the customer comes to me, it's, it's either a geographic decision or do what I do, which is influence them to go beyond geographic boundaries and drive past three dealerships because they're, gonna, they're like, Dave has it. He gets me. He's going to make it easy for me. And the pricing will be fair because I, I tell them in some of my ads, Hey, you know the price, right? If you don't, I'll show it to you. It's online. You can find it easily. So why are we goofing around? So when we yeah. get that message, it takes away the fear of price. They finally understand that there's somebody who understands their means. And then, so once I've established that branding, then I'm in front of them at the buying decision. When they're in the funnel and they find they're about to find a dealer, and then Angie and Google and YouTube help me get right in front of them. And then our search engine tools that we use with them as well, Make sure when they when they put in David Jeep into the Google browser, they find me there. So the, the perfect circle that we found is very, very effective. And can we touch on that for just a moment? I think it was really important what David just said. Um, it's it's absolutely essential, really, that dealers are branding themselves and, and getting in front of people on video. But the way for them to then bring those sales in is to make sure that they're then capturing the customers when they go back online and search later, because that's what we see most people do after watching a video. They'll go online and and search. Um, either they'll look for the dealer's inventory or they'll search for the vehicle or the dealership name. So it's really important, like you also said, Michael, to be there in the micro moments when people are then making their decision. Yeah, I, I love what you said about customers will choose their own buying path. They'll choose their own path. And, you know, speaking of choosing your own path, this is a great opportunity for me to tell you that if you have not yet subscribed to the Dealer Playbook podcast, I don't know what path you're on, man. You got to choose the right path to take your career in the retail automotive industry to the next level. So make sure you click that subscribe button and turn on notifications so that you get notified every time new content and conversations just like this one go live so that you can make sure you are on the right path to your desired definition of success. I love this conversation. We're not talking about price. We're not talking about the tactics and the strategies. We're talking about essentially being a good person and how that can resonate and how that can shine forth and how through those efforts, you can attract a larger group of customers perhaps than you ever could by deploying the, you know, the, the 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 hard pitch kind of tactics that we're all out there doing, you know, the the wacky waving inflatable flailing arm tube man or the duck on the roof that we always that we always use. So let me ask you this: I mean, David, is this is this 
a belief that stemmed from an upbringing? Have you always just had a desire to be a good person? Because I know this this might sound cheesy, but there are so many people these days that are perhaps lost in their way and they go, great, Michael keeps saying be a good person. Now David's saying be a good person. Everybody that's been on the show over 170 some odd episodes have said be a good person. Am I a good person? How how does this happen? What do I do to be a good person? What does that look like in your opinion? What is being a good person to you? I, it's a really good question. Rick. I, I think part of it came from that I, I came from a very modest background, a couple of hardworking parents, two brothers. Um, we all worked really hard and achieved at a young age and continued to grow. So I think you got a different feel, feel like, you know, I didn't have gold toilet seats growing up. In fact, we had one toilet seat in the whole house. You know, so, I mean, as I achieved, I think I felt those blessings a little bit differently. So being kind and being able to extend that kindness to other people, making sure that I never hurt a customer is really, I mean, honest to God, I sell 300 cars a month. Why do I need to take somebody's money disproportionately? Does that make any sense? Why am I going to fight for that? I mean, it's, you know, and I even, when people come to me with special stories, we even help out just a little bit more, almost in a charitable fashion, to help them make their ends meet on buying a car. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the more stuff I seem to do, Michael, the better it impacts my business, all right? And even though that's not the end result. So when we're in the community, and this is the other place where video comes out. I mean, when we're in the community and giving away coats to kids like we do every year, when we supply um, Christmas gifts for 400 families the way we did last year and 300 the year before that as that program's grown, when we do the Thanksgiving dinners on people's – when we do this stuff, now as humbly as possible, we take that message out to our YouTube channel, out to video, and let people know and maybe try to inspire them to help out as much. And then the karma gets returned with a wonderful business. So – the more we do, the better it is. The more we communicate, the more we donate to the community, the more that we do in business circling around. Um, so I think maybe the motivation, if you have no other to be a good person, is because things are probably going to work out. Karma is pretty strong and things will probably work out in your favor. That's At least that's what I can testify. Yeah, you, you reap what you sow. Hey, that's for me. Yep. And I, and I count my blessings every day. Yeah, I think. You know, we hear about it and it's funny that this has almost become kind of a cliche topic, but the the essence is gratitude really does have power to shape the outcomes in your life. Yeah, but the thing that will stun you is the amount of people that come into my showroom or that I see on the street. I'm very, I kid around about this, so I say it tongue in cheek, but I'm extraordinarily famous in Philadelphia. My wife will bring me back down to earth and say, honey, you didn't cure cancer you didn't save any lives. I mean, you're, you're just a nice guy that sells cars. But I can't walk down the street in Philadelphia. I'm, I'm, it's, it's really uh, – Angie had the opportunity to go to a basketball game with me. I can't walk through the, the crowds without doing selfies and saying hello to people and giving people hugs. And the amount of people that refer to some of the charitable stuff we do in the community that say, Dave, you're so important to us because of um, as much as you help the community. And that's the video message that we get out. That's the, the, the PR that we're able to do with this video message. And that stuff sells cars. You can't tell me that it doesn't. Um, there's other stuff. Like I rang the bell at the Sixers game, which if you're not from Philadelphia, you don't know. But that's an iconic thing. It's like throwing out the pitch of the game. The game before me, Bryce Harper, the great outfielder, did it. And, and, and I was very scared that they were going to say, why are we getting the Jeep guy? I mean, he's not all that. Why are we getting him to ring our bell? But we took that message to video. And that message makes me famous, right? It makes me iconic. It makes me, does somebody want to come to a showroom 
where there's just some no-name dealer, or do they want to come to show them where they might meet the guy that rang the bell? Those are all important messages that we built our brand on. Uh, and I believe me, I do it humbly. We don't boast about it. But at the end of the day, there's been a lot of accomplishment. We're able to take that out and let people know when you buy from us, you're buying from somebody that's invested in you. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it, you know, it stems from first being a good person, then doing these things. And that's why it lands. Cause I think a lot of people try this stuff and maybe their intentions aren't aligned properly with what they're, they're trying to do. Right. Like they're so fixated on sell more cars, reach regional goals, be on the list, be the top in the region. And then they do these things and it doesn't land. But to your point, because you started out with just an inherent desire to help your community and be a part of the community and a contributor, not a taker, um, you know, all of this stuff kind of shines through. And, and you know what? And I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with being the local celebrity. In fact, I think you've proven that that's exactly what's going to happen. And to your point, if I have to choose, am I going to go shop or, or purchase from somebody that I feel like I've known my entire life that I connect with that believes in some of the same causes as I do or whatever it might be? Or am I going to go to the run and gun, you know, 0.9% APR financing dealer that that's all, that's the only crutch they have to lean on. You're exactly, exactly right. When they come to me, they, they trust, we've been able to instill the trust that they're dealing with a friend. Then most importantly, I have 82 employees and we've taught them and culture them to treat people the same way, even if I'm not in the building. So I get many, many responses from customers that say, hey, Dave, I was hoping to meet you, but you weren't there. But I want you to know it was exactly the way you said it was going to be. The experience was just the way it is. I love my salesperson. I love my finance manager. And it comes across the same way. So I think, you know, I had a dealer one time, you'll you'll like the story, who who tried to copy my ad exactly, almost verbatim. And I didn't know it. And he (laughs) called me up and he said, Hey, Dave, I don't know if you know who I am, but, I, you know, I, I copied your ad. I said, oh, you did. Well, I didn't know. He said, how long did it take for it to work? Because we haven't seen anything yet. And I said, well, I, 51 years, which is how old I was at the time. That's how long it takes it to work. I said, you said the same stuff I said? He said, yeah, pretty much. Well, that's not who that guy was, right? So I think what's important is anybody who tries to get organic or transparent has to make sure that they connect with who they are what the dealership is, what the attributes of the dealership are. That's very, very important. Or video is a very dangerous gun that you can shoot yourself with. Because if you can spend a lot of money taking your message out there and looking like a real jerk, it could set you back for quite some time. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, just, it, yeah, well, I, it, it worked for him. So I'm going to just try it for myself and with zero authenticity. <laughs> um, Angie, let me ask you this. I mean, for, for those that go, okay, well, this sounds phenomenal. I believe I have a good story or a good message or, or just something to put out there. How do they get started? Like, I, I, I mean, cause sometimes we see the end result, right? We see what I saw. We see this message. We, we see the video produced about David and we go, man, this sounds awesome, which is probably what that dealer did to you, David. They were like, oh man, we see everything he's doing and this would be awesome for us. What does it actually take to, to do this? From, from Google's perspective, to do this successfully, considering in, in the context of I've never done this before, what does a dealer need to consider to make a go of it? Well, I think the first thing that you have to start with is just what David said. You have to know what your value proposition is, what your message is, what sets you apart. And and then you want, you want to just try. I think 
most people are afraid to just test things out. And at Google, we like to say test, test, test. So don't be afraid to, to just try something out. So for example, if a dealer wanted to get involved with video, um, David has a good relationship with a videographer and he has a great company that makes his videos with him. But you don't have to do that. I mean, if you have already TV inventory, you can simply upload that to YouTube and that's an easy way to get started. If you don't, one of the one of the best um, performing video ads I've actually ever seen was just a dealer in, in Ohio who had a colleague stand there with his iPhone and film him. And the quality was fairly low. You could hear the wind, you could hear the highway noise in the background, but it was very authentic. And they just decided to try it and upload it and it worked. So my, my best advice would be understand what your message is and then just put it out there. Record it yourself. If you don't have a big video company, upload videos to YouTube. Just get some content out there and try it out. But I do think it's important to be authentic. Yeah, I love it. And and I mean, with that, then is it important to kind of build out a library, so to speak? So, for example, you might have content that is more top of funnel, mid funnel, low funnel sort of a thing or. Or how do you recommend going about that in a way that's not going to over? Because I mean, what what you've just said, I think that's brilliant because it's the it's the don't get overwhelmed by this package. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, hey, you already have these assets, upload them. Um, but in in understanding your value prop, um, how how important is it for the dealer to know what phase of the buying journey they're speaking to when they when they do this kind of stuff? Well, I think. I think you definitely want if I mean, ultimately, it would be great if you had a library where you had um, different videos for your different vehicles and uh, ones that spoke to your dealership. Maybe you have specific sales events. But um, another thing that we try to tell um, dealers out in the field today is it's all about helping your customer and helping them faster. So you want to think about whatever videos that you can create and put out there that are going to help your car shoppers faster. So a lot of what a lot of people are looking for today on YouTube are things like virtual test drives, vehicle walkarounds, anything that allows them to experience the vehicle. Or again, it could be about experiencing the dealership so they can get to know you better. So yes, I would say that it's important to have um, a library. I know that one thing that David's been working on is the creation of a library of assets. Um, also going beyond just a standard, let's say, 30-second pre-roll ad that most people start with and experimenting with some new products. Like we have things called six-second bumper ads that allow you to have just a short little teaser message that you can put out there and you can be really creative with these and sort of maybe tease up a longer message. So I think experimentation is is the key and and yes to try to have um videos that are helpful and that cover the gamut michael think about it i'm sorry, i apologize uh, you didn't ask me a question but I, when you think about this when i advertise on broadcast tv i'm speaking to an entire demographic right an entire philadelphia dma in inside of that only one third of those people are shopping for cars at that moment only 12 percent of them are searching for price for jeep dodge or ram and then I, People go out there and advertise one car. When you think about that, you've gotten into such a minute section of the population, whereas the video product on YouTube can take my message to the person who's in the market right now. And I can even take a specific asset to the to to match the asset that they're looking for. 
I mean, that's a whole different type of advertising. So if you do broadbanding on television and follow it up with organic video inside where we can get the data to get in front of the person who's raising their hand at that moment, it's pretty powerful and, and really beyond comprehension of what we thought about 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and you know, with that, I guess my, my, what comes to my mind is, because uh, I know a lot are going to be wondering, and I'm not looking for a specific name here, but do you work with a, a third party that runs these ads for you, or is this something you guys manage in-house? That does it, it's, we have a videographer that does it, wonderful guy. Um, who, but again, he knows me extraordinarily well, and I'd say that that's really what's important. He knows me. He knows what we're trying to accomplish, so we do these things pretty easily. I think video production is an important facet that, that our industry has to tackle. So I think it's important to find the right person to help you put it together. Um, and, and it definitely reflects in, in the message. No, no doubt about it. But I write all the old ads and I wouldn't suggest, I think you have to find out what their attributes are, what their call to action is. They need to really almost write their own ads or at least give the writer the content that needs to be in there if they want to do this the correct way. I love this because really it is it is relatively easy to get started because there are a lot of dealers who are already actively engaged in their community. Maybe they're sponsoring the basketball team or the soccer team or the softball team, and they're already going out to those events. Um, bring bring a camera with you. Start start thinking through your PR brain and bring a camera with you and have somebody just film you so that it can be more authentic in the moment type stuff. Um, and, and, and if you started doing that, you might be shocked at how big your library of content already is that you can then turn around and leverage on YouTube. Look, I have, I have an ad that thanks to the help of YouTube and Google has over a million views on YouTube. How many dealers do you know have that? What does that do for your organic search? What does that do for the, what happens when a person who's considering me goes on my YouTube channel and sees an ad with a million views and another one with 75,000 and another one with 200,000. I mean, that sends a message about who you are, but it doesn't start until somebody starts posting their ads and getting it properly out there um, through YouTube and the and the opportunities that Google provides there. I mean, they've been a, a wonderful partner for me. I love it. I want to thank both of you for joining me on this episode of the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so All right, that's it for episode 170 of the Dealer Playbook Podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of that episode. I know I sure did. Thank you to David and Angie for joining me on this episode. Now listen, if you haven't yet clicked that subscribe button, make sure you do that right now using whatever app you're listening to this and make sure that notifications are turned on so that you do not miss a beat. Until next time, keep the playbook open and dominate.